press play on the inside inside sales show powered by the sales iq network my name is daryl prale i'm your host and you my friend well you and i we're going on a journey every single week talking to the industry's most accomplished sales legends as they share with us their tips their tricks their techniques and their tactics to become sales rock stars you simply need to do what they're doing and you will achieve similar nirvana if you like to laugh you like to be entertained if you like to go off on tangents and tell stories you're gonna love what you're gonna hear next sit back relax it's gonna get real Oh, my friends, my friends, my friends. You know, it's interesting. We are the sum of our experiences. Would you agree with that? We are the sum of our experiences. If we had a traumatic childhood, then it's more than likely that we have difficulty trusting. As an adult, we may want to protect ourselves and keep people at a certain distance. You know, if we were the last person picked for every single sports team ever growing up, we may have a little bit of insecurity now as an adult, even though we're no longer going through the ugly puberty stage and we're actually kind of successful and we're actually you know, not the most ugly person going, all right? We are the sum of our experiences. And what's interesting is that continues to manifest itself over and over and over again as we grow. I have multiple situations where I can point to. I can point to both on a personal and on a professional level. Tell me if this if this is something you can relate to. I remember, now my wife and I, we've been married at this point in time, 33 years. Now, yes, she clearly has bad judgment and she might want to reconsider this investment of time. But here we are 33 years later. However, the story goes that in our 11th year of marriage, we came incredibly close to divorce. And I don't mind sharing this. Everybody knows it. Who, who knows me? <clears throat> and why is that? Well, we looked at the situation and we said, do we need a marriage counselor? Because we still loved each other, but we we're having difficulties living with one another. And upon, after discussion, we didn't think we did. What we thought was interesting was I, and now in my early 30s at that point in time, was exhibiting behaviors that I could probably point back to my childhood, as was she. And so we decided to individually go see a counselor and work on some of those issues that had were part of our experiences that were affecting how we behaved now. And what happens is as you get older, some of those behaviors become more pronounced. And so for us, you know, some time spent with some professionals who knew how to work the process was wonderful. Total sidebar. I remember my therapist doing an exercise with me that they probably teach on the second day in, in, in their, in, in university which was, she said, Daryl, go write your obituary. I write my obituary. Yeah, I write your obituary. And so I'm like, okay. So I go and I write my obituary and I come back next week. And I say, here's my obituary. Read it to me. I read it to them. And they're like, okay, so basically, Daryl, you're a loving father, a devoted husband, well-liked. You made an impact on people's lives and you'll be missed. Is that the gist of it? Yeah, that's the gist of it. Okay, well, nowhere in that obituary, Daryl, did you talk about your work? About all your accolades? about whether you hit quota or didn't hit quota, about whether you were speaking on stage or not speaking on stage. That, that wasn't in there. Again, if I watch how you're living your life and what's affecting your marriage, it's you, you are heavily focused on your work. Why is that, Daryl? And you're like, son of a gun. All right, so that's an experience. That's one experience. It's a personal experience. Just showing you how we are the sum of our experiences. 
on a professional side, you know, I've done sales, I've done marketing, been you know, VP sales, VP marketing, chief sales officer, chief revenue officer. I, I, I know a thing or two about revenue. That sounds obnoxious, not meant to, not meant to sound obnoxious, meant to set the stage. Yet for 10 years, I had my own agency, my own marketing agency. And I was a marketing agency selling to B2Bs, typically marketers for my services. And I would try to focus on, you know, mid-market. That was my, I didn't want to go small to medium. For me, I didn't want, I didn't want to go enterprise. And despite having all these skills, it was the most challenging situation ever because I had great difficulty initially in the first couple years not a couple months, separating myself from others. I had difficulty procuring new business. Much of my business was word of mouth because I had a positive reputation, which is fantastic. And I got referred into other accounts as happens. That's the normal, but that's the reality. So because of that experience, I now am very cautious when I take on a new opportunity in my life, in my professional life that has me selling in a high commodity, highly competitive, difficult to, to separate yourself from others. Basically what people might describe as the red waters as opposed to the blue water, the red waters where everybody's kind of fighting over the same chunk of meat, if you will, and the blood's in the water and there's lots of shark. I had a great, I, I tend to want to avoid that. Even those most current job I took, that was a conversation I had with my CEO, my soon to be CEO, Emmerich, Emmerich Renault. And I said, Emmerich, I see a Gorapal, it's a cool company. I love the culture. I love the product. I mean, I love, every, I love everything about it. But Emmerich, there's this product called Hootsuite. There's this product called Sprout Social. Like, it's a bit of a commodity business, isn't it? What's special and what's different about you? And Emmerich said, well, Daryl, under our NDA, let me show you this piece of technology and feature function we're about to release. And it, I saw it and I'm like, oh my gosh, nobody's doing that. It's a game changer. And I took the job. I took the job because I thought I can work for that. Like it's a little more blue water, a little less red water. We are the sum of our experiences. Our experiences drive what we do. But sometimes when you're in the middle of that experience, you're like, what do I do? All right. So for example, many of you are exactly where I have been, where you're selling an item where there's a lot of competition. There's a lot of noise and you're struggling with how do you stand apart? How do you generate new business? How do you hit quota? How do you, you know, hit your revenue targets so you can get that paycheck? How do you stand above the crowd so you can continue your career? How? How? Well, with that all said, I think we need to talk to somebody who has done that, who is living that, who understands exactly the pain you're going through. Not only does he understand the pain you're going through, he's living it himself every single day. And today I'm really excited to bring to you the one, the only, the amazing Christian Banach. Christian, how are you doing, my friend? I am doing fantastic, Daryl. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm super excited to be here and talk to your, your audience here. All right, so I always, when I tell these stories and, and those who listen to the show on a regular basis, knows these stories are all based on 90 plus percent truth and, you know, maybe 10% hyperbole because I wouldn't be a good marketer with a little bit of storytelling, you know, creative freedoms. Were you, sit, were you sitting here thinking to yourself, oh my God, he's having me on a show and he's calling me a commodity. Or were you sitting here thinking to yourself, I can get into this because I can help these people. I get super jazzed up by this because it's something that's near and dear to my, it's something that we have to face 
on a day-to-day -day basis for the sales and marketing of our own company. And it's something we face on a day-to-day -day basis for each one of our clients. The market is super competitive for what we do and for what our clients do. So it's critical that we tackle this and, and really try to stand out in order to drive the results. All right. So for those wondering, Christian is the principal and chief growth officer, Christian Badak. It's his own company that he founded about a year and a half ago at this moment in time. He's, this is not his first time being self-employed and having his own company. So he knows, he knows the, uh, what's involved. But what's interesting about Christian and one of the reasons that he is so attracted to me was because, you know, the company is somewhat still young. It's a year and a half old. So it doesn't have, you know, an established inbound reputation out there that I can rely upon to be a constant source. And with that said, he's got to go and very much grow his own business, his own reputation and differentiate from scratch. So this is the guy. Now, with that said, let's just continue with me totally both highlighting what he does, but helping you better understand his circumstances. So Christian, why don't I let you explain to the crew here exactly what it is Christian Banach does. And then when, when he tells this folks, you're going to go, oh, I see what you mean, but that's a, that is a competitive marketplace. So go for it. So I'll start off with, before we differentiate ourselves, at the end of the day, we're a lead generation company. And I'm sure everybody has been the recipient of emails or have seen advertisements that say, we're going to get you X number of leads and fill your pipeline and, and messaging like that, right? We've all seen them. We've all experienced them. So that's the business that I'm in. And there's a lot of uh, what I would call maybe bad actors in the space that don't provide very good quality services. A lot of it may be outsourced to, you know, far off. So it's, it's not always considered uh, in the highest regard. However, there are certainly firms out there, and we believe we're one of them, that actually do provide a very high level of service to our clients, and, and we really serve a great function. So at the most basic level, we are a lead generation company. But how we've started to differentiate ourselves, and this is why I'm going to start to sell the story here, you know, we are a business development and growth consultancy. That's how we position ourselves. So we don't say we're a lead gen company. And we help advertising and marketing agencies, along with MarTech companies, to land six and seven figure opportunities predictably. And we do that through a proactive outbound prospecting approach. So that's through cold calling, cold email, and social media engagement to ultimately schedule appointments between decision makers at enterprise companies and our clients, which are again, those advertising and marketing agencies and MarTech companies. Okay, so there you go. That's what his firm does. And I mean, just think, let's just think about, okay, I know you guys are frustrated sometimes selling what you sell. Think about Christian. He said it right there. He was so eloquent how he said it. There are some bad actors. I love that phrase. There are some bad actors in industry. And that affects and impacts us and our initial perceived reaction when we're out prospecting. But I love his differentiator. See how you went right? He, I didn't even ask him. He said, but our differentiator is, we are a business development and growth company. We are not a lead gen company. We are a business development growth company focused on advertising and marketing companies and MarTech companies land six and seven figure deals. Boom, boom, mic, mic drop. Like he knows who he is. There's no ambiguity there. Okay, so with that, what we're gonna do is we're gonna do something a little different that we've never done before. We're gonna walk through and Christian's gonna help us understand, you know, essentially how he gets new business and the challenges he faced and what tools and techniques he uses 
that are are helping him be successful. And now, and I want you to think about this, okay? Christian has got beyond being in a commodity space, beyond being bad actors, he's selling a product to his buyer who does the same thing already. In other words, he is a marketer. He is a sales. They are selling to MarTech companies. They're selling to marketing and advertising companies who themselves do marketing and advertising for lead gen, who MarTech companies who themselves are used for lead gen, which means the executives he's selling to claim to have the same skills he has, which means they're scrutinizing how good he is as part of that due diligence process. He has got everything stacked against him and he's being incredibly successful. So sit back boys and girls and let's go on a journey and let's see what Christian can teach us all from the man himself. Christian, where do you want to start with this story? Yeah, well, we can start. I think we're when we're talking about this is true for ourselves and through our clients, we drink our own Kool-Aid. So our primary source of, you know, business development for ourselves is through outbound prospecting. I think it would be odd if I was to tell you we you know, run radio ads and that's where we get our clients from, yet we tell our clients they should be outbound prospecting. So, so yes, so we drink our own Kool-Aid here and it's outbound prospecting is our number one source. And where do we begin though with outbound prospecting? And I think for us and for our clients, we always start to focus first and foremost on the problem that we solve for clients. And And that is critical. It's not, we can send you X number of emails or all of the outputs that you might get from a campaign. It's really about how we can help solve a pain point that somebody's experiencing. So in our situation, you know, we get very granular. Uh, We have taken a look at the market. So the advertising and marketing agencies and what are the problems that they're experiencing when it comes to growth. And then we will build specific outbound campaigns that drill down into how, you know, hey, we think you might be experiencing this problem. And we have some ideas around how to solve that problem. We've done it for others in your space. So that's really the first thing that we look at is really understanding, is there a pain point and can we solve that pain point for for somebody? Can I stop you there for a second? I find too many of the sales reps in my audience and in my experience don't look at it as what's the pain point I'm solving. And yet, you know, they look at it as I've got a feature, I've got a service, it does this. In other words, if I was selling Agorapulse, I've got a social media management tool that will help you listen to all your people out there and then monitor it. And then you can reply to that and you can schedule your posts and you can, you know, whatever. And I'm, I'm right away into the, the features. I'm, I'm, I'm feature pitching. Just like you talked about, it's not about the activity of the outputs, but about addressing the pain or addressing the problem. So, how did you figure out the problem that you solve? How did you actually identify what it is? How would you coach my sales audience to identify the problem that they solve? Yeah. So I think there's a variety of ways. You know, once you, one of the best ways that you can do it is just hearing directly from prospects. So if you are, if you have the luxury at least to have already have some sort of a pipeline going and there's some activity happening, 
really listening into those calls that are already happening and, and people that you're speaking to and hearing what those pain points are. Are there any recurring? Now, you may not have that luxury, so you may want to go out and try to schedule some you know, stakeholder type interviews and, and try to then, again, get to un- understanding their world and what are some of the experiences that they're, that they're having right now and some challenges. What's keeping them up at night? That may not be available to everybody either. So the internet is a great place to go to and start searching. In, in my case, it's very easy to go and, and Google, you know, marketing agency challenges and marketing agency problems. And there are other third-party resources out there that have done surveys and you can find different articles about it, podcasts like this, where, you know, you can listen in and 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 find out what are some of the challenges that those are, are, are facing. And I think that really is probably true of any, any industry. I mean, if you can, you know, if you can hear it directly, that's great. If you can talk to past clients or former clients, that's great. And then doing some third-party research and start to really see what those themes are that that seem to keep emerging. I love that. Okay, so folks, you've heard me say this over and over again. I get redundant sometimes. I don't know why you still listen to me because you know I'm like a broken record. Have you talked to some of your current customers or as Christian was talking about, even just, you know, figure out who your ICP is and go after them and talk to them, even if they're not your customers, but they fit your target market to look for recurring themes, recurring comments. And I love the fact for many of you won't do that. You say, well, I don't have time or I'm shy, which is weird because you're in sales or we're new. We don't have a lot of customers. Therefore, maybe it's not a big enough sample size. Okay, fine. (laughs) He took away all your excuses when he simply said, I got on the internet, www. And I did some research and it was crazy talk. And I, and I can talk, I can go on social to all my key people and look at what they're talking about. My, my target customers, I can look at their content. I can look at industry reports. I can look at analyst reports. I can look at surveys. Hell, you can call the customers up of your perceived competitor and ask them why they're with them, why they chose them. Because if, you know, chances are you're going to be able to fix the same problem. So there's no excuse for not knowing that. But once you understand the problem, one of the things that Christian hasn't mentioned yet is that not only do you understand the problem, you also start to pick up the lingo, the vernacular, the verbiage. And and now you get stories that you can start to drop in to make yourself sound way more credible when you're doing that prospecting. And that's huge because then if you're speaking the same language I'm speaking in my day-to-day activity, you must be one of my tribe. And now I, I automatically start to trust you right away. So... I love that you're doing that. You're doing the problem. Now, okay, you know your problem. Now, you mentioned your biggest one is outbound prospecting. Talk to me about the outbound prospecting tactics and techniques you do, the challenges you had differentiating. You know, help us understand that a little more. Yeah, so with our outbound prospecting, you know, we're sending out cold emails. We are sending, we are placing cold calls. But as everybody knows, I'm, and I'm sure we're all on the receiving end, it's a, our inboxes are busier than ever. We're all receiving, you know, lots of email communications and our buyers are likely getting even more. So how do you stand out in the inbox, first and foremost, so they even read your message? So one of the things that, that we do for ourselves and, and we advise our clients as well is personalization is first and foremost. I think these day and age, everybody can sniff a sales email, a marketing email away from a, a mile. So in order to stand out, you have to do some level of personalization. So, you know, we highly advise and we do for ourselves is we do some research into each company and we find out something that's happening that's related to that problem and uh, that they may be experiencing. 
And we use that information then to customize a subject line and customize that first opening you know, sentence or two of the email. So that individual who gets that inbox, gets that error in the inbox, knows that it's unmistakably written you know, for them and for their company. And that has really helped us you know, achieve incredible open rates compared to industry averages, which then you know, is leading to much better results uh, overall. When you do that and you eventually close that deal, do you ever get feedback from your, your new customers about what about you prompted them to respond to your outbound efforts? Because to your point, they get a lot of outbound, you know, attempts for them to become customers of other vendors. You know, do they share with you why you? Yeah, we hear a couple of different things. So one is we, we oftentimes hear, you know, we don't normally respond to messages like this, but yours caught my eye because of A, B, C, right? And usually that ABC has something to do with the, the personalization that, it, that we took the time to sit down and write something to them. So that's one of the big reasons. I think the other, you know, related and the emails, getting them to open it and read the first sentence is one thing, but then they got to read on. And the other, another very important thing is to keep your messages. We are writing our emails at less than a hundred words. And that's not easy necessarily to do when you are going to try to demonstrate personalization, you're going to poke at the problem, you're going to introduce your solution, and then there's a call to action in the email. Those are the four kind of tenets of a good cold email. So to do that all in 100 words isn't easy, but it can be done, and it takes some refining and takes some editing. But that email and keeping it short and concise and to the point and casual in tone as well. You don't want to be super formal in the messaging. Our research shows that you want to keep messages written at a maybe like a sixth grade level or below. And you got to just think about how are prospects now engaging with email. They're probably reading it on their phone. They're running from meeting to meeting. This is not a college thesis paper that you're trying to write them. You are writing it something very casual to start a conversation with them. You're not trying to sell them anything in this first. So that is another thing that comes up again and again for people that respond and say, hey, we don't normally respond, but this is why. You would personalize, you sound real and authentic. And, you know, we figured what the heck, let's give it a shot. All right, so let's just start recapping here, folks. We're just going to build on this. You're selling in a highly competitive market. You got other vendors you're up against. You get some bad actors who are making your life difficult. What's the answer? The answer is you understand the pain points of your, of your customers. So do that. You do your own quick little dirty research and you can continually optimize that. You gather up there some stories. You understand how they speak, the language they use. And then you go and you do active outbound, including keeping emails short, less than a hundred words. That's what resident, my, my alarm bells are going off because I'm like, yes, because I can skim through that very quickly on my phone, which is where they're likely consuming it and keeping it very casual to that. I mean, think about it. Let me share, you know, I'm a guy, Christian would likely look at me as, as a prospect. And if he was prospecting me because, you know, I'm a head of marketing, for example, I get so many bad outreaches that when I get a good, professional, polished outreach, that alone stands out from the crowd. He's not wasting my time. He understands my role. He understands my pain. He understands my, my you know, how I speak. I don't, I'm not shocked that he says, we don't normally respond to this, but yours stood out. So let me ask you this, Christian. Do you, how hard do you, or how do you balance activity quantity versus outreach 
quality because quality takes time that affects the the quantity. You know, what's your what have you seen work well? Yeah, I think it's definitely a balance because you could spend hours probably researching a company and trying to come up with the perfect nugget. But is that really is the juice worth the squeeze? You know, to send out you know a couple emails a day, but you're researching for two hours, you're not going to hit your numbers that way. So you know, we really you know try to code you know codify kind of the process that we use to find these insights. LinkedIn is obviously a great you know resource to go to right out of the gates looking and seeing if, if somebody has posted something recently. We think of it almost as a continuum. If that prospect has posted something, we call it self-authored content. So they've been on a podcast, they posted something about something that's happening at the organization. Those are really, really great nuggets to look for first. Now, if you don't find anything that is personalized, and we're talking, this is a quick scan on LinkedIn. You should spend more no more than a minute to look and see, have they actually posted something? If they haven't, then you want to turn your attention more towards the company itself, what's happening at the company level. And again, it's a quick looking on the on LinkedIn. It's a quick Google search company name and maybe what you what your organization does. So that's another a, a quick look and you're looking to see if anything's happened on more of a company level then. So the process, once you get into the flow and you know what works, and I think every organization that's listening in probably has different resources that they would want to you know, look at, but you, know, you should be spending, you know, I would say maybe 10 minutes tops on doing the research and then you, gotta, and then you start writing the, writing the message. If you're spending more, you're either looking in the wrong spot, you don't have a good process in place, or you're just kind of avoiding, you know, trying to do the work, which I do see happen sometime as well. So, yeah, so you just want to get a process in place, have some places that you typically go and and spend no more than 10 minutes doing the, the research portion of it. So if I do the math, we'll say 10 minutes max before you, you know, send the message, send the email, whatever it might be. For simple math, that's six per hour. Is that right? That's six per hour. Yeah, that's my math says it's six per hour. Let's say, let's say even 15 minutes. Let's just have some fun. Say it's 15 minutes four per hour. So in an eight hour day, yeah, that's still 48. That's so around, we'll say 50. That's a lot. That's a lot. If you were to do that, that's highly personalized, highly relevant outreach attempts. Now I'm curious, you made mention earlier to, about it's it, that you convert much higher than the average because of what you're doing. And that's also a promise you make to your prospects as well, that your, your future customers, that if you engage you, this is the results that'll happen. How, how are you, how do you tend to measure yourselves and, and validate that you're, you're doing this right? And when do you adjust your tactics, your techniques, your approaches, your methods to, cause maybe suddenly they, they stop working for whatever reason. So, you know, I, we get this question a lot, like what should we be converting? And because we have the, you know, the liberty of looking at a lot of our client data, we have some general benchmarks on where, where you should be converting and, and how many of those emails that you send out should be coming back as what we call a positive reply. Cause there are going to be replies that say, take me off your list. I'm not interested. Go to hell. You know, you're going to get some of those as well. That's just part of the business. So we really measure what the positive replies are. And the percentages are going to range from, you know, if you're doing enterprise, it's going to be much lower than small business. If you're doing certain industries are tougher to break into. So we have a general guideline that we look for for our clients. But again, the idea here is that you just want to measure it, you know, get a couple hundred emails out 
and then improve upon it. And it doesn't really matter where you stack up against others in the space. It might be a guidepost, but you just want to constantly iterate and get a little bit better every time. And just if you're just trying to outdo yourself every time, eventually over a period of a few weeks or a few months, you're going to have a really high performing campaign. And, and I think that's been a, a key for us. And, and the way we look at things is we build everything out in what we call sprints. So we do 30-day sprints where we'll have a certain message. We put it into market and then we test and we learn and we see what is what the response rates are. What are the conversion rates that are actually happening from those emails? What are some of the feedback that we're getting from that. And then the next month, we're going to make some tweaks to our overall message and our process based on the learnings that we had from the prior month. And we do that on a monthly month, month to month basis. A lot of reps don't measure. A lot of reps don't iterate. They simply get frustrated and they say it's not working. And that's where as far as they go. And that is, I mean, we just heard Christian say we do 30 day sprints. You were creating these, you know, you know, sufficiently relevant sample sizes that we can then optimize and iterate the process, review what works, let's optimize it, let's try it again. And we're always looking to gain a percentage or two point of improvement every iteration. And that just comes by actually being intentional, putting it in your calendar that it's time to go and review the results and where do I need to do, what do I need to do, where do I need to optimize to get better results? As opposed to just saying, I don't know, it's not working, I'm just going to guess. It's about being intentional. I love that you're doing that. Everything I'm hearing about you, I can totally see why your customers buy from you and sign you up and, and trust you because it's such a methodical, intentional, logical, easily provable approach. And if I'm being prospected by you with that approach, then I trust you. And we haven't talked about that. How, what are, I mean, I trust you because of your actions, but what are you doing to build trust with your prospects, Christian, so that when you get to the point where you're in an active sales opportunity and do they sign or not sign? And that's when really the trust factor really kicks in. So what are you doing to build that trust with them? Well, I, I think let's start even from, from the beginning. I think there are certain elements that you can do even in your cold outreach to start to build that trust. And, and one of it is trying to be relevant to them with clients that you've served that are similar to them. So when we're reaching out, for example, to agencies and MarTech companies, I'm going to reference that we've worked with this agency, that agency, and the other agency which then builds some familiarity and, oh, if they're doing it for them, maybe they could do it for me. And I think it's really important to try to be relevant in who you name. You know, it wouldn't be relevant if I mentioned, you know, a garbage disposal company when I'm reaching out to an advertising agency. They won't see the connection point. So I think their credibility and that trust starts from the beginning. I think it also then, once you actually land the meeting, then there is a, a whole other set of other things that have to do. And, you know, number one, I think is is being saying what you, doing what you say. So if you say that you're going to meet at a certain time, you show up, you're on time, you are prepared for that meeting, you've done your homework. I think that is also key. I can't tell you also how many times I run across people that they, they don't they don't follow through with what they said that they're going to follow through with. So I think that is also, is really key. If you have then case studies and other sorts of, you know, sales assets that can help, you know, prove your claim, 
that will also help, you know, build credibility and trust with the prospect. So I think those are a couple, you know, a couple things that come to mind, you know, kind of more so before the deal is signed that you can start to think about and really start to build that trust with the prospect. I think there's really, you know, you got to think about it before, before the sale, during, you know, the engagement, during the, the pitch in the meeting, and then even after, what are you going to do to keep that trust alive with your client? I'm taking furious notes here because I love what you're saying. You've said a lot. One of the things that really jumped out at me was you said, you know, trust starts with being prepared and it's your follow through. And is what this reference in case studies or third party credibility, but being prepared. I would add in the word being intentional, be intentional with your structure, be intentional with your outbound prospecting, be intentional with your follow up. You know, being prepared is another way of being intentional. I see too many reps when they manage to get the call, they don't do a call plan. You know, what I want, they're just, they're just winging it. And yet you heard Christian say, be prepared. That comes across in the call. If you're winging it with me now, you're going to wing it if I sign up with you. And that makes me nervous. But if you seem like you're prepared, you're respecting my time, you have good structure, you can name drop other credible resources. You can give me case studies to back up your statements. You're very believable. When people are, think about it. If, if, if Christian is promising six and seven figure deals, if he's engaged, then that means Christian himself is probably a, I don't know your Christian's pricing, but I'm going to guess Christian himself is probably a premium service for a premium result. So for he and his team to achieve the results that they're achieving, they need to be able to project that we're safe, that we're worth it. This is what you've got. You've got confidence because people, when they buy from you, they're entrusting you to not let them down because if it doesn't go well, their job is at risk. And that's what a lot of reps don't understand. So it's, it's so much about what he's talking about here is relational and trust. And it goes back to your workflow. And just like you were taking, you know, 10 minutes minimum per to kind of do the research, that was intentional, right? You're not winging it. And you're not trying to use bots or shortcuts. You're physically being intentional. That's what all this process is. Okay, so you've been doing this a year and a half. You started from scratch. What was the biggest thing you did starting from scratch that was that started getting you the success and the and the goals that you desire i'm going to share something a little bit unconventional but i think probably i would assume some of the listeners on here do aspire to own their own business someday or, or do something on their own and i was in the same boat i was a business owner for about 15 years then i went and worked at advertising and marketing agencies for about. But in the back of my mind, I knew that I wanted to be doing something on my own again. And I knew it was probably something in the advertising and marketing space, but I wasn't sure what, when, or how. So what I actually started to do is I wanted to build up a, a, profo- a profile for myself. I wanted to build some awareness. I wanted to start branding myself. I wasn't even sure what, when, or how though. So I started creating content and I posted it on LinkedIn. I started connecting with people in that space on LinkedIn. I started developing an email list and it was pure value. Keep in mind, I was working at an agency at the time. I was not trying to sell any services. I didn't even know what services to sell at the time. It was really just about putting myself out there. And this went on for about two years before I decided that I was going to you know, move on and, and start my own company. But when I did move on and start my own company, I had already developed a little bit of a following from agency owners and MarTech owners because of the content that I was producing. And I was back to kind of the trust portion of it. I was consistent in that 
content creation that I did. And there was a level of trust then that people had. So when I decided to make this move and I reached out to some people that were now in my network, they were, yeah, I would love to, you know, work with you. I'd love to take a chance and and and, and see how this goes with you. So I was starting from scratch. Yes, I had no clients day one, but I had laid some groundwork, you know, for two years beforehand. So I, I share that story, you know, again, because I think whether that is you deciding that you want to work on your own, like I did, or even if you just want to, you know, start to brand yourself as an expert in a certain area, there is a long tail that will come with that, that will help your sales career down the road. And I think a lot of people are thinking very short term, how am I going to get the sale tomorrow? versus thinking about how am I going to build a brand, a personal brand around myself that's going to, you know, hopefully help me for years and years to come. So why why I love what Christian just said, a couple of years ago, I I had a talk that I had created that I gave at a variety of shows for a brief period of time because then because talks get tired. And, but it was called Sell Like a Marketer. That's what it was called like. And it was saying you as a sales rep, need to learn from marketing and what they do. Now listen to what Christian just told you. Now listen to what I'm gonna tell what I've told people in that session. I said, you need to become a branding expert. Only the branding is you. How do you brand you? You need to write content, just like marketers write content. You need to you need to appear on podcasts and webinars, just like marketers do. You need to start your own podcast like marketers do. You need to do a newsletter like marketers do. You need to build an email opt-in list like marketers do. And in the early time, all you're doing, like, because marketers are not monthly or quarterly based, they're much longer horizon. So they're building up this brand equity by adding value for the first, you know, six, 12, maybe 18 months, two years in the case of Christian, before you start to harvest that. And the beauty is, you can use that all that content, that branding, though, right away in your messaging, in your sequencing, you know, as part of your credibility, as part of your selling technique, because you can share your own content depending on the objections you get or the questions you get. There you go. That's exactly what Christian talked about because he's committed to his craft. He invested it. He's in a highly competitive marketplace and he's been able to distinguish himself. And it all goes back because he knew what the problem was that his audience had. And he was able to approach it in a professional, methodical, intentional, sophisticated, outbound prospecting manner that resonated with his audience. And then he committed to continually optimizing and improving and iterating with a series of sprints so he can increase his results. And he's been in business for a year and a half and the outcomes speak for themselves. Folks, that is Christian Banach. He is ChristianBanach.com. Christian, what's the best way to get a hold of you, my friend? Yeah, ChristianBanach.com, like you said, is, is our website. You can certainly go there. I'm on LinkedIn, Christian Banach. You can search me. I think I'm the only Christian Banach out there. Happy to connect with it. If any of this resonated and you'd like to dive deeper, happy I answer all the emails and happy to have conversations with everybody. I love it. I love it. There you go, my friends. A case study. I can call it a case study. It's actually just Christian being incredibly transparent, vulnerable, and honest with us, sharing what he's done and what you can do. When you find yourself in a competitive marketplace where it's hard to separate yourself from the pack, the good news is it's not as hard as you think. The bad news is you have to be intentional. Follow his technique and you will be successful just like he is. My name is Daryl. That's Christian. We're going to get out of here, but I'll be back 
next week. In the meantime, please share this show. Give us reviews, like, comment. If you're watching this on YouTube, hit the bell. Because, hey, you should always hit the bell. That's what I always say. Can never have enough bell, which is not to be confused with more cowbell. Completely different situation. My name is Daryl. I'll talk to you guys soon. Take care. Bye-bye.